Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 172 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, recording this sometime in the very late month of June 2016. I'm your host, Russ K5TUX. And we also have with us Bill November Echo 4 Romeo Delta. Good evening. From out in the great I don't give a crap sky <laughs> of Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta, gotta yeah, work still recovering from field day, huh? Right. We'll just have to work in this uh, random sky reference to Montana. It's <laughs> apparently, I can't remember that it's big sky country out there. That's right. And we don't have Cheryl again tonight, but we will muddle through. We do have uh, Cheryl's recipe corner, though. It'll just be us doing it. So uh, that, that'll be fun. It's always fun. So here we go. Amateur Radio Topics, dun, dun, dun. and we got a couple of uh, Flash topics later down the line here, and some cool stuff we're going to talk about for Linux in the Ham Shack, and some interesting music later on. It's going to be a fun time, so let's talk about another contest, since Field Day is now over. It's officially done, dead, old news, uh, at least until 2017, but Canada has a contest, and you know, with any luck, this episode will be out before it happens. <laughs> We can only hope, right? Yeah, we can only hope. <laughs> the RAC Canada Day contest is uh, this July 1st. Each year, the anniversary of Canada's Confederation, Radio Amateurs of Canada sponsor the Canada Day contest. Amateurs all over the world are invited to Canada's birthday party on the air. So basically, this is field day for Canada. It uh, appears to be a one-day contest. It's uh, 160 through 2 meters, all mode. And looks like the simple exchange is uh, Canada will send uh, the RST in province. And outside Canada, you're an RST and your serial number. So what's your serial number based on? Oh, it's just a, in the logger, yeah. right. Whatever, one, yeah. whatever contact you are, yes. I remember doing that for <laughs> something else. <laughs> yeah, lots of contests do that with a serial number. So, And they'll have uh, special, uh, special call signs in each call district. And they all end in R-A-C, Radio Alpha Charlie. Well, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's been one of those days. You're already aware. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so well, uh, if, if, this, if this is not the most scintillating, amusing, and ha- you know, fun-filled episode that we've ever done, I don't know, there's a reason for it. <laughs> but, um, it's a little surly over there in uh, Missouri. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, along with that, we also have uh, every July 4th week, uh, we always get the 13 Colonies Special Events Station. And the 13 Colonies will have two bonus stations this year. Here, our uh, old friends WM3PEN will participate from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where independence was declared. And uh, who's the other one? Uh, obviously, that didn't make it to the notes, did it? Here, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, we have uh, gb one GB13COL, he'll be operating from Durham, England. And uh, this is kind of an interesting uh, interesting and very busy special event. Uh, oh, sorry. A little falling apart here. <laughs> Good thing we edit most of this out, right? That's right. Yep. The, the, each episode's about three hours long before it gets released. But. <laughs> so this is a very busy special event uh, st- station, or, or week, I should say. Uh, they'll have uh, special one-by-one call signs for each of the uh, th- original 13 colonies, and they are very busy, very busy. Every year, people are trying to collect the uh, certificate, and if you get the special uh, station there, uh, the PEN station, you'll get a Liberty Bell attached to your certificate when you send in for it. They'll be operating for the entire week, I believe the 4th uh, through oh, – I'm going to get that wrong now. Oh, no, July 1st through July 6th. So it's an all-week special event station. Zuh. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a few of them, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll there'll be a few of them. So uh, it's 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 pretty. I I don't know if you've ever worked them before. I, I kind of play around with it. I never send in for the certificate, but uh, it's it's pretty fun hearing them hearing them work uh, all the contacts. 
No, I haven't, but I'd be interested in trying it since it's a week-long event. I can probably find five or ten minutes to see if I can find one of these stations. I actually, over field day, tried to find the kids' stations. We talked about um, what the, what were the K1R and... K1D and uh, K4G. Yeah, K1D and K4G, but I, I never found them on the air, so unfortunately I didn't get a chance to contact them. I didn't hear them either. But, yeah, uh, I heard like one or two stations from Florida. Conditions were quite murky at best for me, at least. Well, I had a pretty good conditions here, and I actually managed to make a contact uh, somewhat assisted with my old club, Kilo One Fox Sierra. So that was cool. What did I wind up with? Like 40 contacts, I think, because uh, I wound up getting sidetracked by other things. But, you know, it was a field day, <laughs> and I, I was on the radio, and I made contacts. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, I had a good time. I mean, I just messed around with it here myself and uh, spent time cleaning the house and taking the kids out golfing. So uh, didn't get a lot of radio time, but did get some in. Yeah, I got about two hours. That was that was all I could muster, but it was still fun to do. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, more contests coming up, and then I got a post on Google Plus about another contest: the CVADX contest or something like that. CVADX contest that's supposed to be running from August twentieth. August 27th or something like that, or maybe even earlier than that? No, it's August 27th through 28th. It's the uh, CVA DX contest, single sideband, 80, 40, 20, 15, and 10. And what's special about this contest? Uh, Nothing special about it. It's just somebody posted it on our Google Plus chat, you know, our Google Plus community. And they posted oh, it with yeah. a link to their to the site, which is www.cvadx.org, which doesn't work. It's it's a broken website. So. Uh, the actual link for the site is craec.org. So it's the Club de Radio Amadores da Escola de Comunicaciones. I don't know. It's a <laughs> sure <laughs> it's it not is. Spanish. I think it's a, I think it's uh, Portuguese. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, I wish the the thing is there was a oh, there was it's Brazilian. A, yeah, it's Portuguese. It's Brazil. All right. There was a, there was a nice picture and everything showing the dates and and the website and everything else they posted on our Google Plus community. None of which is actually factual. Uh, yeah. However, the contest apparently is a, a, a real thing. Yeah, it's the Amateur Radio Club of the School of Communications of the Brazilian Army. Yada, 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 yeah. So that's the host. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, you can throw that in the etherpad. We can throw it in the chat, in the, uh, in the show notes. So people can Uh, look that one up. I guess, yeah, the link to the image actually goes to a dead domain. So, yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and put that in there so we have it. Yeah. Because somebody might want to participate in that. Who knows? But it's in August. That's a long time away. It is a long time away, but I can guarantee this episode will be out by then. So (laughs) (laughs) we still have like an NAQP Ritty coming up next month. And uh, God, there's another one coming up the week before that. So I know we never talk about contests and special events and all that crap. So we shouldn't start doing it now. We can leave that to Amateur Radio Newsline. Do they do contests on that? I, I don't know. Do they? I don't listen to it. (laughs) <laughs> they, don't, they don't do as much uh you know most of the contest stuff uh is uh, probably ham nation and a couple other small sources anyway moving on we have uh, a kind of a downer note i think uh from your perspective and mine bill the fcc has said no to the lifetime amateur radio licenses they've denied the petition of an arizona radio amateur who had petitioned for lifetime amateur radio licenses mark Krotz, that's Krotz, k-r-o-t-z uh, November 7, Mike K, uh, Mike Kilo of Mesa had filed his petition for rulemaking, RM11760, with the FCC last November, and the FCC invited public comments in February. Krotz wanted the FCC to revise Part 97.25 of its rules to indicate that amateur radio licenses are granted for the holder's lifetime instead of for the current 10-year term. Hundreds of radio amateurs commented on the petition, but the FCC was not swayed by those favoring the idea. So you still got to renew every 10 years. Big whoop-de-doo. It still yeah, would I mean, nice. it probably catches some of those licenses that are like silent keys that never get uh, reported back to the FCC. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can see a reason for having expiring licenses, and it's 10 years, so it's not like it's taking up a whole lot of your time to renew. I think the real problem is 10 years is a long enough span that you might forget. Or change email addresses, and the ULS doesn't uh, alert you of that, right? Right. Or, or any number of other things. Ted in the chat room says KZ9ZMY. Why does he say that? Je ne sais pas. <laughs> Je ne sais quoi. 
Je ne sais pas. <laughs> Je ne sais pas. I don't know any French. That's Pete's domain. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I did learn what the definition of je ne sais quoi, oh. though, because it, it was. I thought it was funny to me when I actually found out what it meant, which means yeah. I, I don't know what it means. Right. <laughs> it literally it's, means I don't know what it means. <laughs> so. Well, it's more like I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, right. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. So, yeah, so when something has that je ne sais quoi, it has that I don't know what it is. <laughs> Yeah, so je ne sais pas is I don't know, or je sais pas for the people like to shorten it a little bit. I, I, I took I, I took a few years of, of French. I, I'm not a fluent speaker. All, all I took was Spanish. I I, I know Spanish sort of. See, <laughs> I I know where to find. I know how to find the bathroom and the beer. That's pretty much. <laughs> that's what you learn in four years of Spanish in high school. <laughs> oh, and, and also cerveza. Uno yeah. mas por favor. You're right. Cerveza, baño, and biblioteca. <laughs> These are apparently very important concepts in Spanish. The the bathroom, the beer, and the library. Um, of course. Because you spend all day at the library, then you go out for a beer, and then you have to find the bathroom. So that's apparently life in Mexico. It's my favorite part of Mexico. Because you can't drink the water, so you never talk about agua and stuff like uh, that's that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Ted says wrong window. Okay, good. We can move on. <laughs> All right, so, so much for a listener feedback. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> it's feedback, just not about anything we care about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's let's find out about two-factor authentication in Linux. We've done this before, have we not? We've talked about two-factor authentication, but this is a hardware solution. Okay, like an RSA key. Correct. But this is completely open source. So this is UTF-0. UTF-0 is an open source UTF token for two-factor authentication. It is implemented securely. It works with Google accounts, GitHub, Duo, OpenSSH, and anything else that supports, you know, the U2F. You know, it's it's more of a make-it-yourself thing. It was open source hardware, open source software. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and we've been talking about two-factor authentication for a while. It keeps coming up as a, a reoccurring topic and theme. So I, I happened to run across this from probably a Reddit thread or something like that originally. And uh, so I figured I would include it in here. Um, I think we've forgot to signal when changing lanes. We've actually moved into open source topics. But uh, um, so so what do you think? Like, what's your take on this when it comes to an open security protocol? Because doesn't it seem like that would make it more hackable if you know the algorithm for creating it? Or is it, it doesn't matter because the, it's a it's a device, and even though the technology is open source, the device is something you actually physically have in your hand. And unless you're uh, doing that thing where you're monitoring the coil wine, generating the keys, it's, it's perfectly secure. So, I mean, is that your take on? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm thinking almost. Yeah, I think most of your your cryptography that that's currently used in mass usage, like you know SSL and stuff like that, is widely publicized. So, I mean, you're not looking at something that's uh, completely obscure from the user standpoint of view no i i agree with you and I, that's my point as well i just <laughs> oh okay <laughs> kind of like baiting the hook to see if there was anything else we could get out of that but no that's fine no no yeah I, you know it's uh it's just another uh, another tool for uh solving the same problem but yeah don't hold it next to a microphone for too long don't yeah don't hold it next to that that <laughs> that stray iphone next to you because you never know what they're getting off of you yeah, I'm currently moving my iPhone and my Android off the shelf, away from the computer. <laughs> See, my, my iPhone is more than one meter away from my computer, so I feel like I'm safe now. <laughs> ah, there you go. All right, so with that, we also have a story about dolphin. We like star- stories about dolphins, even though we don't talk about them that much. But this is actually a release of an emulator, which is kind of cool. It's, a, it's an emulator for GameCubes. I still have a GameCube someplace. And um, we. Oh, it's for Wii too. Excellent. Uh, yeah. The 5.0 release is finally here after nearly a year of bug hunting and handling the release process. Everything's finally come together for the biggest release yet. It's got over 10,000 commits, spanning compatibility, crash fixes, new features, and more. It offers a variety of reasons to upgrade from the previous release. So if you're running this, it's time to upgrade to Dolphin 5.0. So you can have an emulator for all of your... Uh, sort of late-generation Nintendo stuff, including GameCube and Wii. Is it only for GameCube and Wii? 
Yes, yes. It is only for those two platforms. And <clears throat> with this release, they also uh, updated the license to GPL version 2 plus. So they did do a license change with this release. All right. And only 64-bit <clears throat> CPUs and operating systems are supported. XP and Vista no longer supported, and you shouldn't be using those anyway. So that's that's very good. Uh, OpenGL 3, Direct 3D 10 are requirements uh, for the 3D rendering for these. Uh, so make sure you check out the system requirements before you try running them to make sure your system is uh, adequate. The GameCube and certainly the Wii have uh, much more advanced graphics engines than some of the older game hardware. So you're going to want a uh, you're not going to be trying to run this on your 486 for sure. <laughs> not like mame right mame used to be is very flexible on what you put it on in fact you can put it on a raspberry pi right don't you have that set up yes um, there are actually more than one distribution available for running mame type uh, architecture emulators on the raspberry pi so but the raspberry pi is a fairly advanced chipset i mean it's a quad core arm chip you know with uh, a meg or a gig of ram and stuff like that so it's not really old hardware that's true. I was thinking that they had a uh, on this Dolphin release. They also supported uh, one of those ARM chips as well. I could be wrong though. There's probably like Dolphin Pie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to have that, right? That sounds like what Eskimos make. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I make bad jokes. Okay. But um, bum. Where's the rim shot? <clears throat> um, do I even have a rim shot? I do not. <laughs> I can find one. <laughs> here let me see this will take <laughs> uh like this there we go there we go <laughs> that was perfect <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah only 14 seconds too late all right yeah there you go well in the edit that'll be right there boom right on top of things <laughs> and, and you'll be talking over it same as right now okay <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> we have fun. Oh yeah, that was. Did I just do that? Yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> that was good too. Uh, see, that's what happens when you have YouTube autoplay turned on. <laughs> <laughs> so, can Great. we do this again? Yeah, there we go. There okay. it is. All right, cool. We can use that later too, maybe. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple of flash topics in here for open source. Uh, if you want, to, oh, what the hell did I just do? There. I need another drink. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody's saying, no, you don't. Okay. (laughs) The wheels have totally come off this. No, no, they haven't come off yet. I think we're still running on the rims. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the clear Linux project, or you're going to talk about the clear Linux project. Yeah, well, I'll just go through these two flash topics really quick. Uh, I was reading an uh, article on uh, Pharonix, uh I guess that's how you how you pronounce it, uh, about uh, seven-way Linux distribution comparison for summer of 2016. And they uh, compared uh, distributions for use in Docker containers and other uh, virtualized containers. They uh, showed a one that I hadn't seen before here, and this one's called the Clear Linux Project. And uh, Clear Linux OS is for Intel architecture. It is focused on the cloud. Our aim was not to make yet another general-purpose Linux distribution. Sometimes lean and fat is better than big and universal. In the show notes, you'll have the link to the article on the site, and uh, you can look at the the comparison. And I was uh, quite impressed with the performance. I was going to build a Docker pan, uh, a Docker. Uh, um, Image or whatever. <laughs> container. Container, I yes. I was going to build a Docker container with it before the episode, but I, I didn't I didn't really have time because I was doing the next Flash topic, which is uh, Solus 1.2 Shannon was released. And uh, there's also a point release on the way, so there might be uh, might be some bugs in there or something they want to throw out there. So. Um, but they're uh, they're proud to release. Uh, sorry, they're proud to announce the release of Solus 1.2, the second minor release in the Shannon series of releases. Solus 1.2 builds upon the groundwork of 1.1 and 1.0 with the continued improvements to Bungie and Bungie's that uh, lightweight uh, desktop, I guess, windowing environment that I'm, you can get even on on Ubuntu too. I believe there's a Bungie build for Ubuntu. Yeah, there is you Ubuntu Bungie. <clears throat> and I've I've actually used Solus. The only thing that was limiting on Solus is the package manager doesn't have all of the packages that other distros have in their repository because they actually have their own package manager so everything right. everything that you need to or want to build into solus you either have to wait for somebody to do it or you have to repackage it from something else so i downloaded this and installed it 
by itself. And of course, it installed perfectly. It works perfectly. And, and then I was like, well, let me try upgrading my 1.1 install and see if it breaks, you know, a la dist upgrade or <laughs> one of those good things. But, uh, no, it worked, it worked flawlessly. It, it upgraded pretty quickly. It downloaded about 157 packages and it, it runs just as fast as uh, the the perfectly clean system does, so uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting uh, it's an interesting fast distribution. One thing I will say when we're talking about running package managers is I don't know if it's official yet, but in the Debian based distributions, they're kind of pushing people towards using apt just just the application apt instead of you know apt dash get and all that kind of thing uh, for doing updates, dist updates, um, or dist upgrades and and all that kind of thing. And I've started to try and force myself to use apt as opposed to the, the older paradigm. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be officially deprecated at some point, but I think we can safely say that folks should start using it. Just use APT um, when you want to do an apt install, you know, apt install, whatever, uh, apt update, apt dist upgrade, that kind of thing. Uh, the interface is a little slicker, gives you more feedback on what's going on. Uh, it actually uh, utilizes progress indicators and stuff like that, uh, and even color, ANSI color in your terminals. So while it may not increase the the functionality or the specific benefit of using the package manager in any real way, it's kind of the way going forward. So if you're using a Debian-based distribution, you want might want to start moving into the mindset of using apt instead of apt-get. Right. If you uh, there are, there are a couple caveats to that though. You can't do. Uh uh, a pipe to grep and expect it to work properly. They haven't quite worked that out yet when you do the apt search. Um, so I would still recommend using the uh, apt cache, apt cache search function and, uh, you know, search that way. If you're, if you're used to piping it to grep and looking for specific packages and stuff like that. Which is probably something that they'll fix later on when they try and merge all of that sort of apt dash stuff into the totality of apt. I don't know. We'll we'll find out as that progresses, but I think that seems to be the way things are going. Yeah, but we'll be all using snappy packages and whatever the other one is. <laughs> we'll, we'll all be using by Fedora by then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's the one one cool thing about uh, the the Mac packages. You know, they pretty much come in whole, and you normally don't have to add anything unless, of course, it doesn't work, and then. And then you're scrot, you're scrot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which uh, we'll talk about in the Linux in the Hamshack segment. Oh, you're going to talk about being scrot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to eat scrot. It's a great fish. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we talked about Solus Shannon. We talked about the Clear Linux project, and actually, the link that you have here in the Etherpad went to clearlinux.org, and that link does not resolve right now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was was working before well it does not work it does not work now at least on my system it works here it works there huh let me try it again clear linux.org no it does not resolve for me why does it not resolve for me uh it is going to the https site so i don't know maybe oh uh, well that could be they don't have a listener there apparently they don't have a redirect let me try this the browser should automatically do it nowadays. Yeah, the latest WebKit does that. No, I'm I'm using Safari. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> and uh, it does not work. But even oh, when I specifically type in HTTPS, it does not work. Well, huh. the interwebs are broken. Well, because yeah, it works fine here. There's a maybe great it's only site. hosted in Montucky. Okay, this brings up an, <laughs> this is brings up an interesting website that i don't think i've ever mentioned before but it's one that i've used in the past so let's bring it up now why not sure it is www.downforeveryoneorjustme.com which does exactly what you think it does and it's great and i put clearlinux.org in there and it says http colon stroke stroke clearlinux.org is up it's just you So there you go. If you want to find out if it's your network connection or the internet's for real, you can check out that site. Yeah, Clear Linux just isn't that into you. Apparently not, but the thing is, all right, now I've got to find out what the hell is going on. I've I've had so many (laughs) computer problems today, it's just really pissing me off. Let's see, clearlinux.org resolves to 198.145.21.136. Let's see, when I ping it, it does not ping back. Let me a trace route to it. 
everyone's loving my network diagnostics here on the show. <laughs> yep, it, uh, it fails a trace route for me, but it's way past my location. It's actually 10 hops out where it fails. So there is a BGP issue on a router somewhere that's present- preventing me from getting there. Quite possibly. But yeah, the link's definitely good. All right. But not for me. So not sad. for you. Not not for me. No clear Linux org for you. It's like the, <laughs> it's the, the internet Nazi is keeping me from getting there. All right. Anyway, check that out. Links, of course, to everything will be in the show notes. Maybe someday we'll talk about the, the new URL scheme and, and why that is and all of that that you're seeing. Let's see, Symbola says, says, how come I never have computer problems for us? Oh, yeah, I'm using Windows 7. Well, you can bite me, Symbola. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I use Windows 7, too. I've actually been using it all day trying to manage my VMware machines, topic we're not going into. All right, so with that, we're going to move on to our Linux in the Hamshack category. We're going to talk about a couple of different things here. So uh, the first one is Pat, which is uh, an androgynous person or a Winlink <laughs> client. So we're going to talk about the relevant one, which is the Winlink client. Yeah, I mean, we've been uh, kind of talking on and off about Winlink here for the past couple episodes, and uh, I've been looking for this elusive client that uh that will do win more and everything else and lo and behold i came across pat and what pat is it's a cross-platform winlink client written in go so that's that uh fancy google language golang.org right uh run it on any modern operating system including linux osx and windows however (laughs) if you have el capitan (laughs) The package is incompatible, so maybe not so much on the OS X-ish part. I do not run <clears throat> El Capitan on my Mini because my Mini does not handle El Capitan, so I'm running yeah. Mountain Lion. So it should work great, except I don't use it for you know, my ham shack. Right, so if you have Linux or Windows, it, it does work. And it works quite well, actually. I, I didn't actually test the win more thing, so I'm, I'm going to have to get back to this one more time. <laughs> but a couple awesome things about it. So they t- here's some of the features that it has. It has a, it has a composer, a reader. Uh, you know, it can handle doing the uh, image attachments in uh, WinLink, which uh, is, is pretty tough for the clients to do. Does they it do use, position reports. Does it use image magic? I, you know, I don't think so. If it does, make sure you've upgraded your image magic. Image magic has been a huge security hole lately. That was along with what Ghost Ghost Script too, or something like that. There, I have seen so many things come out from Cert lately. It makes your head spin. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So uh, this uses rig control as well for using Hamlib. So it, if you if you already have Hamlib running, it'll uh, it'll go ahead and use that for uh, changing frequencies, whatnot. The cool part about this is I'll, you can read the rest of the features in the in the show notes, but it has a built-in web server with a web interface that is pretty slick, and uh, this does work on uh, on Windows and Linux perfectly fine. Although with Linux, I did have to install the uh, libax25 library for the ax25 uh, uh, connection, so that'd be for your packet connection. So that's one library that doesn't come with. And if you're using the pre-built binaries, not like the Deb or I believe they have RPMs on there as well. But if you're using the tar, you know, GZ file that's already compiled, you may have some problems with the libraries missing on that as well because they did not they did not compile them statically. So you'll have to go and install the shared libraries that it's looking for. So you'll have to go through a few permutations of you know executing pat, see what broke, coming back, coming back. Um, I did try to install it straight from Go. That did not work out very well. So I'm not quite sure what my system is missing on that. But uh, the dev package worked fine on the Ubuntu box. And uh, the Windows box, I did have to rename the pat executable with a uh, with an extension that Windows likes to execute, like exe. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty neat. It's, uh, it's probably the best-looking client if you consider the web interface. It has a, you know, a built-in uh, command line, uh, interactive command line session, too, that you can run. And it's also set up to be not only a client, but it looks like it could also operate as a server. 
So it also has listen modes for uh, listening for connections and stuff. So it, uh, it's pretty cool. It's under the MIT license. Uh, it's up at GitHub, and they have a really good-looking site at getpat.io. All right. Well, I have not actually had a chance to take a look at this. I have been wanting to you, – you've been talking about WinLink a lot lately and the whole idea of uh, you know email over amateur radio and that kind of thing and all of this stuff, uh, you know, the telnet – sorry, the telnet and packet protocols and stuff that uh, ham radio can do, but I have not really participated in any of those things, and I really want to at some point. I just got to find, you know, the time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like I said, uh, I think when I first started talking about it, this is a new thing that uh, our local uh, Aries group is is trying to get everybody involved in. So, so yeah, uh, I'm installed from that. Uh, I run RMS Express on the Windows boxes, and uh, this might be my uh, Mac and uh, well, not Mac. Uh, I guess Linux client. All right. So I'll, well, I'll come. I'll come back and I'll give more feedback later on as I experiment with it more and as it grows. It's still an early release. I believe the release number is zero point one four. So, have not quite reached one point status. All right. Well, it sounds like something that I should try. I actually downloaded the source for the other thing for Packlink Unix that you talked about a couple episodes ago, and I was uh, working on getting that set up and running. And of course, got sidetracked by everything in the world. So maybe I should just switch over and try this one instead. Yeah, this one looks to be a, a lot easier. <laughs> okay, easier is good. I like easy. Yeah, it even has like the mail client built into the web server. So, yeah, but you're still you not like still not sure if it does win more or you haven't tested it or is it? Oh, it does win more. Oh, yeah, it does win it, more. Okay. Yeah, it definitely does it. It's uh, the configuration side is a little uh, sketchy on my side. I have not gone through all the documentation yet to get it. It's uh, it's basically uh, trying to connect to it as soon as I launch it and. It's not connecting to it. <laughs> so apparently I don't have something quim- configured quite right. So I'm going to have to come back to it and uh, see if I can get that working. And this is WinMore under Linux? Yes. All right. Very cool. And uh, Go is interesting. It's uh, it's uh, one of those languages that's cross-platform. So, And I don't know a whole lot of applications, uh, specifically ham radio applications, that are written in Go. I think there are more than one, but not very many. Yeah, you end up with more web apps and stuff like that are written in Go. Another but, one of those you know, languages. It should work for anything. It's an interpreted language. Right. Well, you know, Java's supposed to run on everything, too. And, <laughs> 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 and, and speaking of Java, we're going to talk about Java a little bit now. We're going to move from uh, Pat into JL. And JL is a Java logger. And we actually, I thought I had never mentioned JL on this program before. And then I went back through our archives and I've actually talked about it on two other of our programs, but it's been a long time. The last time we talked about it was in episode number 86 and that was back in 2012. And it was mentioned also in episode number 71. So if you want to check back and see what we said about JL on those episodes, you can certainly go back and do that. But with field day being last week, I was looking around for a contest logger that runs on Linux, and uh, YFK test is the one we traditionally talk about when it comes to contest logging, and that's one that definitely supports Field Day, the ARRL Field Day. Uh, that one's written by DJ1YFK. We've talked about that on the show quite a lot, but I also came across, again, the JL logger. Uh, this one is written by W1JQ, and it's a purely Java-based logger, so it runs on anything where you can have a JRE. And I decided to use it for my field day experience. So um, I installed it on my Linux machine. Um, I can't remember if I actually... Let's see, what was my experience with the installation procedure? You you download the jar file, because a jar is the Java archive format, which is basically a zip file. Um, well, not even basically a zip file. It is a zip file. You can actually unzip using the unzip command in Linux a jar file, and that's exactly what I did. I believe the version that I was using was 1.06, and when you unzip the jar file, it actually extracts in that package a script called jl.sh, and that's all you have to do is run jl.sh. It invokes the Java interpreter and the runtime environment, and it starts up the JL logger. It actually does it comes, run under OpenJTK? <laughs> it does run under OpenJTK, yes. 
Good. I don't want any Oracle on my machine. Right? <laughs> no, no. You can use the Oracle Java. You can use OpenJDK. You can use Ice T. You can use all of that kind of crap. As long as you have a JRE installed on your system, it will run. Sweet. So I I was actually using the Oracle Java. So yeah, you can all hate me if you like. That's fine. Uh, but it did work. I I ran it using the JL.sh. It brought it up. It uh, has a easy configuration utility. You just have to give it your basic information like your uh, itu zone cq zone uh your maidenhead grid square your call sign whether you're operating solo blah 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 blah. you set up your normal field day characteristics and it gives you four windows one of which is a log window uh there's a a dupe window your normal data entry window or yeah window and there was one other one that I can't tell you what it was because since I'm not actually looking at the app, I don't know what it was. Of course, you can reposition these individually on your screen and everything. It looks like a basic X application, uh, all of which is uh, run in Java. It supports a lot of features, and it supports a lot of contests. Um, most of the contests that you'd be familiar with, it certainly supports a lot of the QSO parties, uh, the IARUHF contest, Field A, CQ Worldwide, uh, iota blah 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 blah. I mean there's there's a lot of stuff built into it so it, it works pretty well it also says on the website which by the way is qsl.net slash w1jq that it he uh, he w1jq is particularly pr- proud of the fact that it supports wae what the hell is wae worked all europe worked all europe there we go <laughs> see i just have to ask my uh, my font of all knowledge so we we know where what, what <laughs> Well, you know, I'm a I'm a contest junkie. I don't do well in them, but I, I like. <laughs> but you actually, I like following them. <laughs> right there, you go. So it supports WAE for for all those people who are trying to work all of Europe. So that's pretty cool, I guess. I actually used it in my field day operation over the weekend. I only made about forty contacts, but I did roam around twenty, forty, and eighty meters single sideband uh, to see what was out there in the world. And I used JL as my logging platform. It actually works quite well. Uh, it also has uh, wind keyer, uh, sports wind keyer, and also sports uh, voice keyer. So if you uh, that's kind of your thing, it supports both of those. It supports Hamlib integration, and uh, it's pretty simple to use. Uh, it allowed for uh, proper and accurate uh, scoring, you know, score calculation of your contacts. Uh, efficient dupe checking, from what I could see anyway. I didn't actually have any dupes in the short span of time that I spent on field day, uh, but it seemed to be working reasonably well. It's it's a little weird because it's one of those things like N1MM where you actually change band and mode in the call sign or, or in the data entry fields. Uh, you actually configure what you're doing uh, just by entering specific data into... Your, you know, the logging application itself, and then it changes what band and mode you're using. So you, you kind of have to get used to that, but uh, it, it's pretty straightforward procedure. And one thing that I thought about it, and Bill, like, sort of shot me down when I was talking to him about it and said, wow, he understands regular expressions. Well, it's still kind of nice. <laughs> it's still kind of nice to be in, be able to enter random data into the logging field and have it put it in the right spot. So you can enter... You know, for specifically referencing ARL field day, you can enter either the station identification or call sign in random order, and it puts them in the right spot for you and then logs it properly. And one thing that I really liked about the way the logging worked is that um, once you logged a contact, it just brought up a basic log entry window that showed all of your previous contacts. And you could simply go into that if you made a mistake, for example, there was no special procedure for making a correction. You could just go into that log window, click on any field, and make the change, and it would be recorded into the log file. So uh, if you logged a wrong band, a, lo- a wrong mode, a, lo- a, lo- a wrong call sign, or anything like that, it was basically uh, click, change it, done, move on to the next thing, and away you went. A lot of contest loggers, you have to actually you know, go back or, or re-reference uh, a specific data entry, like you have to go to the 137th entry, edit it, change the thing you need to do, and all that. You don't do any of that uh, with JL. Uh, let's see, what else is interesting about JL? Well, not a whole lot. It's just a logger. Uh, <laughs> Where does he have all the code at? Is that, uh, let's does he see. not have it on GitHub or anything like that? 
I think I I think I downloaded it from GitHub or I downloaded it from his website. Let me see what this. Oh yeah, I see. It's just from their website. It's a jar from the website. Yeah, it's apparently just from the website USL.net's where it's hosted. So I didn't even look for licensing on this. Let's see. Apparently, it's not even open source. So why am I even talking about it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, how old is that version anyway? Uh, GL one hundred six. What's the release note say? Does it does it have a release notes file? It probably does. I got to get it onto the right machine. Let me let me. Oh, uh, uh, okay. You don't have to do that. That's fine. No, it's okay. Uh, it takes me just a second get into the right machine. My ham computer because my shack or my studio computer and my shack computer are not the same thing. Let's see where the hell is JL on here? Okay, where is JL on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got the old. Uh, this far this file can harm your computer. Are you sure you want to save it? <laughs> Okay, there it is. 2007. Well, the changes file wasn't updated for 106. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there it I don't is. Let's see a license file anywhere. No. Let's see. That. Oh, yeah. There's a legal file. Hold on, let's see the yeah, legal file. Yeah, I saw the legal file. Let's see. Yeah, it says copyright uh, by the by the author. It looks more like a, well, no, it has the license sources. he's trying to do is almost like an MIT. Yeah, it's almost MIT or BSD. It's pretty, it's yeah. pretty uh, lenient. It says you may redistribute modified or unmodified with or without source code provided you do not charge for it and provided that you do not use it in weapon systems in any form. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <Kaboom>. So, <laughs> right. So apparently it's released under the JL license, which is, um, it's pretty, um, it's pretty open license. <laughs> so it's uh, MIT or BSD like, so there you go. So it's not GPL, but it, it is open. Uh, source code is available because when you extract the jar file, you get the source code. So there you go. It is open source. And it's also cross-platform because it's Java. And I, Bill poo-pooed it because it's Java. But, that, you know, it still works. <laughs> it, it's cross-platform. It allows people to use it, whether they're Windows, Mac, or Linux-based. Isn't that always a good thing? That That is a good thing. And it is open unless, source. Unless it's not compiled for El Capitan. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried it on El Capitan. I have my my laptop actually runs El Capitan. I should I should check it out and see if it works. Ah, uh, no, I'm still upset at Pat. That's just <laughs> upsets me to no end. Screw you, Pat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fix it, man. Fix it. Especially when we're going to Mac OS next, right? Yeah. So won't even have yeah. El Capitan anymore. Probably no, no OS X. Months. It'll be OS whatever it is. It'll just be Mac, Mac OS. OS. Yeah, Mac OS, uh, and who knows how no number. I don't think they're even going to have a number. <laughs> It'll be like code names. Oh, they're going the Android route. Great. <laughs> yeah, we'll start with Mar- Marshmallow or Lollipop or something. I, don't know. <laughs> I hope they with don't. Them, it'll be some peak or something, probably. I think it's like Sierra or something like that. They need to not use junk food, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> not Apple. Though. It'd be like granola. It'd be like. Uh... <laughs> well, they're Apple, so maybe they should use health food. Maybe they'll be. Maybe the next version will be like celery or something. Yeah, there you go. Celery or... Uh, uh, Apple OS Celery. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> Probably vegan stuff, right? Right, yeah, yeah that's Whey. right. <laughs> Whey protein. Gluten-free Mac OS. <laughs> Frozen, yeah, ice. Uh, <laughs> apparently that's like the only vegan gluten-free food on the planet. It's <laughs> just a bowl of frozen water. Okay... Yeah, let's get to some music. Do you do you know anything about this music? All I know is the link you posted there on Reddit, so I'm going to play it right off of there. I don't know anything else about it. Apparently, there's a band that has something to do with Sousa. Yeah, these guys apparently are pretty good, and uh, I just happened to catch this today on Reddit, and I'm like, oh, wow, that, that actually is really good. It's uh, kind of a parody on Come Together. Yeah, Come so. Together is the old Beatles tune, by the way, which has been covered by probably 100,000 different bands, but and now again uh, by the Sousa band. This is a parody, though. It's uh, it's and the lyrics to it and everything are posted on the Reddit article, so you can go uh, through that. And apparently, this band has something to do with Brian Lunduke. Uh, I don't know if he's in the band. the The photo of the people that I see who are actually in the band, none of them actually look like Brian Lunduke. Uh, but he is a former host of the Linux Action Show podcast. So, uh-huh. so that's who that is. But anyway, this is called uh, Code Together. We're gonna play it, and then we'll uh, talk about some other stuff. Shh. 
systems, man, it feels like a breeze. fits in with my general musical style likes so I'm, I'm a fan of that one for sure yeah it was great I mean, it was really uh, tight sounding and uh who'd have thunk and actually when great. i was watching the video there that time one of the members does actually kind of look like brian lunduk so i don't know if he's he's one of the musicians or not but he could be and i know he doesn't listen to the show but if he did <laughs> he might be able to comment on it <laughs> yeah yeah, one and one is seventeen. Yeah, that was a good one. That was that was excellent. A little bit different kind of a take, but it's always nice to have geeky music on the show. We don't have that very often, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. I just I caught that, and you you hadn't put anything in there yet, and I'm like, yeah, hey, let's go ahead and play this. This is this is pretty good. So yeah, I listened to it earlier, and I enjoyed it. So I, I guess these guys have some other stuff out there actually. So uh, always uh, take a look and see if you can find yeah. some more music. A uh, link to the Reddit article that that is linked to, and they're actually linked to uh, the video on YouTube. Of course, we'll be in the show notes if you want to check that out and see any of the other stuff that they have done. I kind of guess that the band is called Sousa, just like the distro, but uh, Googling that doesn't really get you far. It's, it's kind of like Googling it. You don't, you don't really find the thing you want. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you want to be anonymous, just name your new rock band It or The. Then you'll be all set. No one will ever find you. Uh, so anyway, we need to move on. We've got one bit of feedback, and that was on uh, episode number 169. We had a comment on that from Mike. Whiskey Bravo 5, Victor Quebec X-Ray. And wow, that's a mouthful of a call sign there. I hope he doesn't do a lot of CW work. He says, great music in episode number 169. Ought to have a link in the show notes. Uh, seven three whiskey bravo five victor quebec x-ray and i went and checked the show notes for episode number uh, one number, uh, number 169 and sure enough the link is there so 
I'm not sure what he missed, or maybe he doesn't know where the show notes are, but uh, there is on the website, lhspodcast.info, if you go to the content uh, tab across the top, if you hover over that, it brings out a drop-down menu, and in that drop-down menu, you'll find show notes. So if you click on show notes, you'll be able to go back through the current, all the way back to the show notes from episode one. Uh, and in the episode show notes for number 169, the link to the Gemendo file uh, for the music we played on that episode is definitely there. Thanks again, Mike, for writing in Whiskey Bravo 5, Victor Quebec X-Ray, and hopefully you'll be able to you know find the link over there to, in the show notes and, and uh, check out that track and all of the other music that was done on that episode, which I don't even remember what the what the music was on episode number 169, but obviously it was pretty good. <laughs> So that is that. And guess what? Even though Cheryl is not here, we're moving on to Cheryl's Recipe Corner. So I guess I will handle this one. She put in here slow cooker lemon garlic chicken. We actually do a lot of cooking, particularly when we have guests over to the house, which is something we do quite a bit. Uh, we do a lot of cooking in crockpots or slow cookers. So we've become sort of adept at creating recipes or finding recipes that are good to be done in the slow cooker so it's kind of things you can put together in sort of casserole form stick them in a crock pot just let them cook for a few hours and by the time all your guests arrive it's ready to go so this one is lemon garlic chicken uh, the ingredients for this are dried oregano salt pepper boneless skinless chicken breast halves butter water fresh lemon juice garlic chicken bouillon and fresh parsley so all you have to do is in a bowl you mix the oregano salt pepper the spices rub the mixture into the chicken melt the butter in a skillet over medium heat and brown the chicken in the butter for about five minutes a side and then you put the chicken in the slow cooker in the skillet you just cook the chicken in you mix the water lemon juice garlic and bouillon together bring it to a boil pour over the chicken in the slow cooker cover and you can either cook it on high for about three hours or low for about six hours, depending on your, you know, cook time of your slow cooker. Add the parsley about 30 minutes or so before the end of the cooking time. And when it's all said and done, you're going to have really tasty lemon garlic chicken. I don't know that we've actually ever tried this one, but it sounds like something we could do for guests going forward. We're actually on our summer hiatus. We don't host... We don't host uh, guests in our home for the months of July and August because it's just too damn hot. So um, <laughs> maybe, maybe come September we'll try this one out. But anyway. Uh, yeah, the key to that is browning that chicken before it goes into the crock pot. Otherwise, it gets to be a dry and tasteless mess. Yeah, because it'll leach out all the liquid and everything. and It'll all kind of uh, create one sloppy congealed mess, and you don't want that. So if you want to give that one a try, the link to the recipe will, of course, be in the show notes. And if you're into slow cooking at all, it's kind of a great way to do stuff because it usually only takes five or 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes of prep time. You put everything in the slow cooker, then you put it on a counter somewhere and four hours later, uh, you have a meal and you don't really have to think about it in between. So it's kind of nice, uh, even if you're not doing it for uh, entertainment purposes. Yeah, we so, do that once or twice a week here. It makes it uh, real easy for uh, dinner to be ready by the time everybody gets back from work and school and everything else. Yep, it's a wonderful way to cook, and if you do it right, you can have some really great meals, and you don't have to spend uh, all your time hovered over the stove and uh, skillets and pots and everything. So, All right, well, that is that, and we're going to move on to our social media roundup. And, Bill, you did such a wonderful time with it, or you did such a wonderful job with it last time. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll let you do it again. Sounds good. Okay, for donations and subscriptions, we have Jonas Rulo, Jeremy Hall, Michael Connolly, Harrison Kyle, Scott Pettigrew, Bob Yerke, Paul Griffith, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Brian Smith, Robert Halliday, Ben Schramm, Michael Alio, or Alo, God, I'm going to mess these up again, <laughs> John Clark, Rob Branch Dash, Edward Donnelly, Donald Gover, Alan Wilson, Stephen Sainer, Dylan Angle, Jason Marinero, you're not going to let me do this again. <laughs> Jason Marinero, James Blocker, Doug Ritter, Mike Lasky, Darren King, Petro Karasakis, Donna Farron, Gary Horlick, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotter. On Facebook, we have 
Now, it's the reason she's not here is because she didn't want to tackle the last one in the Facebook post. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. She left that to you. So, uh, so we're going to try this. <clears throat> Facebook, we have Dion Vasilev, uh, David Samaro, Marty Montgomery, Dresden Elementary Amateur Radio Station, Ian Hassett, and Fionbara Mac. Trenfer. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> FMT. There we go. We'll, we'll keep okay, it. Okay, sounds FMT. good. Yep. Thanks for uh, thanks for following us there on uh, Facebook or liking us on Facebook. Uh, we have uh, nobody on Google Plus. Uh, Twitter. We have uh, a bunch of random <laughs> characters that end in MSA. Uh, I don't even know. But that's uh, M5A, actually. G-O-T-O-F-U-M. <laughs> yeah. F-U? Hey, watch the F-U. Yeah. Fool, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> okay, we'll skip that one. Joel Case, uh, Shark Org, Endigo, WCSB 2015, MJ Klaus, Rudy Coom, and ITT Tech. Over on YouTube, we have Brian Keir, Nico D., and Ian Hassett. So Ian joined us at a couple places there, right? Yeah, Facebook yep. and uh, YouTube. Very good. Uh, no new uh, people on the mailing list and no merchandise sales. And again, pretty much par for the course. <laughs> All right. So I think we have come down to the end of the show. We should probably check in with the chat room just to see if there's anything going on in there. Uh, we were joined tonight by a few folks. We were joined by Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R, by Kleewick, by Simbola, and there's a few other people in there who I don't actually think are there. Although I believe Copy Lion logged in shortly before the show started, and I don't know who that is specifically, but I'm pretty sure they're listening. So, And I haven't checked the feed to see how many other people are there, but we want to thank everybody who checks into the show live. Uh, it's always good to have folks and interaction in the chat room when we do this thing, because uh, every once in a while we learn something. You get to hear all of the stuff that doesn't get put out in the actual podcast, and trust me when I say this, there's a lot of it. So, Simbola <laughs> uh, says he's not here either. So, all right, so that's good to know. Anyway, I'm going to push the button here and start the outro, and maybe, Eeks. yeah, X, right? Okay, so here's. The outro, maybe? Yeah, look, there's the outro. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, you can become an LHS ambassador. You can visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby Linux Con or Ham Fest. That's nearby to you, not to us. We love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter. Or leave a voicemail at one nine zero nine LHS show. That's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. You can visit our IRC channel, LHS Podcast. That's Octothorpe LHS Podcast on Freenode, and subscribe to our mailing list. Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts can be purchased at www.cafepress.com. Stroke LHS Podcast if you feel so inclined. You can also help out the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. Buying show merchandise also helps out the show. We get a little tiny cut of the things you buy. Plus, you can wear LHS around if you like. You can listen to us live every other Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday at 0100 Zulu in the summertime, 0200 Zulu in the winter. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode is on the website. You can check us out at lhspodcast.info for everything you ever want to know about the show. We want to thank you, all of our listeners, live, quasi-live, past, present, and future. We appreciate each and every one of you. And broadcasting for episode number 172 of Linux in the Ham Shack in Studio 3D, Southwest Missouri, with the absent Cheryl is I... Russ, K5TUX, and from the I Don't Give a Crap Sky Country of Montana, Bill, and E4RD. Thanks a lot, everyone. 73. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. Have a good one, everyone, and uh, enjoy the day or night or in between time. Just have a good time. We'll see you.
didn't play with that lizard, you're going to go blind. <laughs>